Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens, that's me, where I'll be your host for a creepy double feature every night throughout the month of October. Come join me, won't you? My friends, it is October 26th, and this is 1988 night on 62 Horror Movies. 1988 was a really great year for horror films. Um, There are so many fun ones, and I think it's because with the horror boom that happened in the 1980s, by 1988, uh, I think horror filmmakers were finally giving themselves permission to just have a lot of fun with it. Uh, So you get a lot of great movies, um, two of which I'm going to talk about tonight. The first is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, followed by Waxwork, two of my favorite movies to watch around Halloween. Now, Elvira, of course, is played and created by... Cassandra Peterson, um, who is still with us, thank goodness. She's 69 years old. There's a joke to be made there um, that I'm not going to make because I'm not straight. Uh, But, uh, and she is still performing as Elvira, making special appearances as Elvira. Uh, She still looks just as amazing as she did in the 1980s when she started playing the role. Uh, So, The story of how Cassandra Peterson came to be Elvira is an interesting one uh, that's tied up in some horror history. Uh, So in Los Angeles, uh, they had been without a horror host um, for about six years. Um, uh, Actor named Larry Larry Vincent played Sinister Seymour and hosted uh, L.A.'s weekly horror movie show called Fright Night. Uh, He died, and six years later in 1981, the channel decided they wanted to bring the show back and have a horror host show again. And they decided they wanted to use a woman uh, to be the horror host. And so they went back to the very first horror host of them all, Mela Nurmi, who played Vampira in the 1950s uh, with The Vampira Show. Uh, Mela Nurmi worked with the Los Angeles channel for a time, uh, but they wouldn't hire the actor to play the role of Vampira that Mela Nurmi wanted them to hire. Uh, So she left the project. So the TV station sent out a casting call, and Cassandra Peterson auditioned for the role, and she got it. Um, She was part of the improv troupe The Groundlings uh, in Los Angeles in the late 1970s. And while working with The Groundlings uh, Groundlings as an improv actor, that's where she developed this kind of airhead valley girl character, uh, and she later brought that personality to the role of Elvira as well. Originally, Cassandra Peterson wanted the 
character that became Elvira to look like Sharon Tate, uh, specifically Sharon Tate in Roman Polanski's movie The Fearless Vampire Killers, which is a very strange and fun movie. Um, but the station didn't like that. So that's when Cassandra Peterson created the look that became Elvira, this sort of um, sexy punk rock vampire woman with this big bouffant black 80s punk metal hair, um, great makeup, red lipstick, tight, tight black dress that showed a tremendous amount of cleavage, which of course made Elvira very, very popular. Um, and also the fact that Cassandra Peterson as, as Elvira is extremely funny. Um, before they started taping the show, which was going to be called Elvira's Movie Macabre, they got a cease and desist letter from Mela Nurmi, uh, who actually brought the network and Cassandra Peterson to court. Mela Nurmi sued them for um, ripping off the character of Vampira with Elvira. And the court actually, and I think justly ruled in Cassandra Peterson, Peterson's favor, um, and they said it's a resemblance. She's not. It's not a literal recreation of the character Vampira, and the personality of Elvira is very, very different from Vampira was as well. Um, and a fun twist of that is that Mela Nurmi herself actually has said many times in interviews that she was inspired to create Vampira's look from the original illustrations of Morticia Adams in Charles Adams' cartoons in The New Yorker. Um, so, you know, uh, that is how Elvira came to be. And Elvira's movie, Macabre in Los Angeles, was a huge success, quickly went national. Um, Elvira Halloween costumes became huge. There was tons and tons of merchandise. Uh, and the original run of Elvira kind of reached its height with the release of her very own feature-length horror comedy movie in 1988, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Um, I love this movie. It is so much fun. It is directed by James Signorelli, and it's written by Sam Egan, John Paragon, and Cassandra Peterson herself. And the premise of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is that Elvira decides to quit hosting her horror movie show in Los Angeles. She's tired of being um, harassed by horny producers and hosting these terrible, 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 you know, Z horror movies. And she dreams of having her own show in Las Vegas. That's what she wants most in the world. She gets a call from her agent and finds out that her long-lost aunt Morgana Talbot has died. Uh, and Elvira has to come to the reading of the will. Uh, so that is uh, how Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, gets started. So you have Elvira... Um, who lives in Los Angeles, she travels to this tiny, tiny town called Falwell, Massachusetts, which is, of course, filled with very uptight religious uh, folks who are running the town and don't take too kindly to Elvira with her modern punk sexy ways. Um, Elvira is very disappointed when she's at the reading of the will and she is 
expecting and hoping to inherit a lot of money because she needs $50,000 to open her Las Vegas show. Uh, but she isn't left any money by Aunt Morgana. She is left her Aunt Morgana's creepy old mansion uh, that is in town. And also her Aunt Morgana's pet poodle named Algonquin, who Elvira, because she says she can't pronounce it, nicknames Gonk and gives the poodle a punk makeover, which is honestly just totally adorable. Uh, the main conflict in this movie is that uh, Elvira also has an uncle, uh, an creepy old uncle uh, who is play uh, named Vincent Talbot. I'm sure not to Vincent Price. Uh, Larry Talbot's also the name of the character in the 1940s, The Wolfman as well. So lots of fun references. Uh, but great uncle Vincent Talbot is played by the wonderfully sinister W. Morgan Shepard, who is one of those character actors you've seen in a million things, but he is very, very recognizable because he has this great, crackly, low, evil voice. Um, he's great at just being vaguely sinister. Uh, w. Morgan Shepard is also uh, plays the very weird role of Mr. Reindeer in David Lynch's movie Blue Velvet. Uh, no, Wild at Heart, excuse me. He's in Wild at Heart, uh, released in 1991. So if you like W. Morgan Shepard as evil warlock great uncle Vincent, then uh, you should check out Wild at Heart as well. Uh, but as I said, Uncle Vincent's a warlock and he wants Aunt Morgana's book of spells that she had hidden in the house so he can become this all-powerful evil magician and take over the whole town and then the world. Um, and Elvira doesn't have, doesn't really recognize what the spell book is for a long time. Um, and she sits, she settles into the town. Uh, all the local teenagers adore her. Um, they think she's really cool and um, because all the male teenagers want to sleep with her, they, you know, paint Elvira's spooky old mansion in this, all these crazy colors. Um, looks really fun. Uh, another great person who's in this movie, another great character actor, of which this movie is full of them, is the actor Edie McClurg as the wonderfully named Chastity Pariah who is the repressed religious spinster woman who's in charge of the whole town on the town council and wants to do something about this bad influence Elvira woman. Um, and this reaches ahead when Elvira get, uses Aunt Morgana's spell book to make a recipe, a uh, casserole, and it ends up being an aphrodisiac that she brings to the town picnic where all of, like the old um, conservative members of the town are, and they all eat this casserole. It turns out to be an aphrodisiac, so all these, you know, upright Christian old folks end up having a big public orgy in the park, um, which is another thing they can blame Elvira for. And they decide that she's a witch, and so they decide that they're going to burn her at the stake, you know, as as you do in, in Massachusetts, I guess. Um... So that's the that's sort of the gist of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Uh, it's a lot of fun as 
you can probably get from what I've said. Um, it's just a really good time. You get to see Cassandra Peterson as Elvira really having just a ball and doing such a great job in her first movie role. Um, the flashbacks to baby Elvira are hilarious. They literally had a baby and just put a Elvira wig on it and put a shit ton of makeup on this poor baby. Um, it Oh, it's so, so funny. And like so many great 80s horror comedy classics, there is a musical number in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark at the very end, which is a phenomenal way to end this movie when Elvira finally gets to do her big Las Vegas showgirl number. And... It's pretty impressive, uh, I have to say. Highly, highly recommend Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Um, Cassandra Peterson got a Razzie nomination for Worst Actress for this movie, which is very unfair. Sadly, the movie, despite Elvira being hugely popular at the time it was made in 1988, the movie was a box office failure. Uh, the budget was $7.5 but it only made $5.5 at the box office, so it was regarded as a failure, which is a shame um, because it's really a delight. It takes that whole, you know, cre creepy New England small town kind of vibe and sort of smashes punk rock 80s Elvira into it. Uh, and there's a punk rock poodle in it. So what, what more do you need? Um, highly recommend it. So check out Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and we'll come back for our second feature from 1988 Night Waxwork. All right, now that you have enjoyed that phenomenal showgirl number by Elvira at the end of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. We're going to move on to our second feature of our 1988 night, which is Waxwork, which is one of those great, kind of forgotten late 1980s horror movies that, you know, you saw sitting on the shelf of the video store back when I was growing up, and you're like, oh, that looks interesting, let me give it a shot. And it ends up being a really great movie that you still love to this day, and that's why I'm talking about it now. Uh, so, Waxwork, like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is sort of a horror comedy, but Waxwork is definitely more horror than comedy. Um, actually has some really impressive creature effects and special effects, and a lot, a lot, a lot of blood used in one of the sequences. Um, and Waxwork has, is uh, written and directed by Anthony Hickox. And Anthony Hickox said that he wrote the script for Waxwork in just three days, which is pretty impressive. And it starts off with this group of college students. Uh, the main one uh, is played by Zach Galligan. And Zach Galligan, of course, is most famous and most remembered for playing the lead role in 1984's Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante. Um, if I do a 12 Days of Terror horror movie Christmas marathon, we're definitely going to be talking about Gremlins. And in that, Zach Galligan is just sort of this, the ultimate nice guy um, that you root for. And so it's really fun to see Zach Galligan 
playing the character of Mark in Waxwork because he's kind of an asshole um, for most of the movie until he gets a bit better. But, like, he's kind of just a dick. Um, and that's just really fun to behold from, you know, uh, from Gremlins. Uh, but... Mark, played by Zach Galligan, along with several of his friends, are invited to a midnight showing of a new waxwork museum that has suddenly popped up at a creepy old mansion in the middle of their suburban neighborhood. And the waxwork is run by none other than David Warner. Uh, David Warner is another one of those actors that has been in a million things. You've seen him a million times. He is the photographer uh, who gets memorably decapitated by a paint, a sheet of glass in The Omen in 1976. Uh, also very famous for his role as the nasty manservant in Titanic uh, from 1997, directed by James Cameron. Um, he's probably the main antagonist in Titanic, aside from, you know, the iceberg itself. Uh, David Warner is was one of those great, great actors. He was a Royal Shakespeare Company actor in the 1960s who um, was just always really memorable in everything he appeared in. And his costume in Waxwork is fun because it is, it's literally the Willy Wonka costume that Gene Wilder wears from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, except he's not wearing a purple top hat. Other than that, it is almost exactly the same. So that, I think, sets up a really fun dynamic where, you know, David Warner plays this sort of dark Willy Wonka, getting these older, college-aged children, young adults, uh to step inside his waxwork. And the waxwork contains virtually every kind of scary monster trope you can imagine. And I think that's one of the reasons why waxwork is such a great success is because it kind of throws all the horror things into the pot. And it's like, we're not just going to have a couple different horror villains. We're going to have all of them. Um... So the waxwork displays that are in this museum, uh, which are supposed to be the 18 most evil beings who ever lived, they're the Marquis de Sade, which leads to interesting things later, the werewolf, Count Dracula, the golem, the phantom of the opera, the mummy, zombies, Frankenstein's monster, Jack the Ripper, the Invisible Man, a voodoo priest, a witch, a snake man, a Rosemary's Baby kind of freak thing, uh, an axe murderer, an alien, a giant talking Venus flytrap, which literally says, feed me, near the end of the movie, um, and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So you get all those things into play. Plus there's like ancient witchcraft curse demon things that's going to bring about uh, sort of chaos and the end of the world and all the dead coming back to life and, take, and killing all the living or something like that. It doesn't really matter. It's just a good time. Um, and waxwork I think is interesting because it is... It's almost an anthology movie, but not, because what happens is when people go explore the Waxwork Museum, they notice that some of the displays 
the monsters have victims, but some of the displays have just monsters and no victims. And the ones with no victims are searching for some human blood. So characters at various times walk into the waxwork displays and then they literally walk into the world of the display. So then you get sort of essentially a mini horror story within the within the movie Waxwork. Um, and the first character to do this uh, is played by none other than Dana Ashbrook, who is most famous for playing Bobby Briggs, one of Laura Palmer's boyfriends, in all the iterations of Twin Peaks. Um, another David Lynch connection in this, uh, in our 1988 night. Uh, but Dana Ashbrook was in Waxwork a year before Twin Peaks happened. Twin Peaks was re- uh, started, ni- was filmed in 1989, released in uh, 1990. Uh, so it's a treat to see him here. Um, he's always very pleasant to look at and still is many, many years later in Twin Peaks, The Return. I'll just say that. But anyway, uh, Dana Ashbrook walks into the werewolf display and, and, and he's really funny, Dana Ashbrook, in this movie, um, which is kind of lovely to see because as Bobby Briggs in Twin Peaks, he's a very sort of volatile, angry, very serious character. So it's it, it's really fun to see Dana Ashbrook be kind of hilarious um, in this movie. And it's a shame he's, he's the first one to die, because uh, I think he's really fun. But he falls victim to the werewolf. Um, and by the way, because, you know, this movie was made, they didn't want to infringe anyone's copyright. So especially for like, a lot of the, the classic universal horror monsters, um, they come up with really creative, different designs for them. Uh, and the werewolf is is one of those that is looks very different from other werewolves that you've seen before. Um, then another character goes into the Count Dracula display and ends up in Dracula's gothic castle at this um, sort of weird, creepy dinner party. Um, with Dracula and his brides, uh, where they're eating, uh, this bloody stuff in a bowl. And, um, the character who goes in starts eating it and she's like, oh, and she starts eating it and everyone's kind of looking at her in surprise because they're all vampires and she's a human. Um, they're like, oh, she's actually eating it. And she's like, oh yeah, I've, I've, I love steak tartare. And the Dracula character goes, Oh yes, of course. Steak tartar. Um, which, which I think, which is a really funny um, thing. Which is helpful because uh, a little bit later after the dinner party's over and when she starts wandering through the castle, uh, then she stumbles upon sort of this room of butchery where a... Uh, character is lying chained to a table and he's alive but uh one of his legs has been completely skeletonized like all the flesh hacked away from it um and that is clearly what they were all just eating a few moments before and the amount of blood that is used in this scene is pretty incredible like it pushes the limits even for me um but it's really, really fun. 
you know, and so obviously those two characters never come out of the waxworks again. Um, and by the way, the Waxwork Museum uh, is, of course, uh, played by, uh, is, is sort of hosted and guarded by a little person um, who has the great line, welcome to the waxwork at the, when they first arrive. And at the same time, you have this little, little person as sort of the main host. Then you have this sort of tall, lurch-like figure who's a, another servant bringing in drinks. So there's just this contrast, um, which is really, really fun. But, you know, these college kids disappear, and so the police start investigating, um, but more people keep disappearing into the waxworks, uh, and the, uh, the love interest to Zach Galligan, Deborah Foreman as Sarah, finally gets lured in to the Marquis de Sade waxwork display, and she expresses interest in it uh, early in the movie when she asks, like, don't you think there's such a fine line between sex and pain? Um, and she, which I think is a really fun uh, character element because she's presented as the sort of very shy, quiet, mousy, virginal character um, who's just, who's also very, very into BDSM. Uh, so she wanders into the Marquis de Sade and ends up being whipped by him and really, really, really likes it. Um, and Zach Galligan, you know, comes in to rescue her, and she's, like, begging uh, to stay. Um, but he eventually gets her out, and she sort of comes around. Um, but hopefully they got to enjoy that in their private lives after the events of the movie. Uh, and then, of course, it all ends with all of these 18 most evil beings in the world coming to life, and they have to find some way to stop them. And so how do you stop them? Of course, you can you you go consult a crazy old scientist paranormal researcher guy in a wheelchair played by Patrick McNee, uh, another Royal Shakespeare Company actor who played the Marquis de Sade actually in the original production of uh, the play Marat Sade uh, directed by Peter Brook in the 1960s. Um, so that's a fun little bit of casting. Some Someone was a theater nerd in, in the casting department here. Anyway, Waxwork is... Again, like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, it's a really fun movie. I think it's a actually really creative premise that is done very, very well. Even though it's very low budget, the creature effects for this movie are great. Uh, and like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, it flopped at the box office. Budget was $3.5 million. It only grossed like $800,000 at the box office. So that big, big failure. But... Uh, El Waxwork, like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, became a cult film as the years went by, and it was discovered by folks like myself, uh, who picked it up off the dusty uh, horror movie VHS rental store shelves and gave it a try. And I highly recommend you give it a try, too. So enjoy the waxwork, and we'll come back and close out the night.
My friends, thank you for joining me again for 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me. Tomorrow night, we are going to talk about and watch the television shows that have really done Halloween right. We're going to be talking about The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror and the Roseanne Halloween episodes next time. Until then, my friends... Happy Halloween!